0: Well, hello there. I am popping in with the quickest invitation for you to check out Time Witchery. Time Witchery is my anti-planner. It is a daily practice that will help you to think about yourself as a human being rather than as a human doing as you begin your day. If you are a person who is creative, if you are a person who values freedom, if you are a person who is here to make the most of your one wild and precious, and I'm guessing that since you are here listening, you are all of those things. I don't know why mind witchery would appeal if you weren't. So... If those are core values for you, if that's how you want to move through the world, time witchery will help you to do that. Time witchery was born of my own morning practice. It is my own personal way of approaching a day in a whole self-honoring way. If your curiosity is piqued, you can go to timewitchery.com slash planner or, you know, just Google Time Witchery and it'll pop up. You can have a look. Now is a wonderful time to do this for a couple of reasons. One, we are moving into a new season Spring in the Northern Hemisphere, fall in the Southern Hemisphere, and with the shift in seasons, there's often a really big wave of energy. If you want to catch that wave and make the most of it, time witchery will help. Number two, probably even more compelling— For the month of March, Time Witchery is deeply, deeply discounted. It is like 65% off. Yeah, I know. And Time Witchery isn't just a beautifully bound. Anti planner that you get in the mail. It also includes an audio course that explains the why and the how of the various elements, as well as invitations to events that I hold specifically for Time Witchery folks. The next one is on the equinox, and I would love for you to come. So, Now is a wonderful time to give Time Witchery a try. I hope you will take a look, and even more, I hope you'll give it a whirl.
1: Those times when you're really full of doubt, when you're doubting yourself, when things look so bleak, when you're in so much pain, that is the seed for revelation.
0: Welcome to Mind Witchery. I'm your host, Natalie Miller, and I'm so glad you're here. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode, a conjuring episode. So it is a conversation between me and today, one of my very best friends on this whole planet. So everyone, please welcome Emma Magenta. Hi, Emma. Hello. Hello. I'm so thrilled to be with you today. Emma is a life coach. She helps overthinkers connect to their magic. And Emma and I go way back. We actually met when we were both yoga studio owners and yoga teachers. And then we have witnessed and supported one another through many uh, personal and professional evolution. (laughs) Let's put it that way. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I love that. Love that witnessed word. 100%.
0: Yeah. So what we wanted to talk to you all about today, I'll be honest, actually, as I've been thinking about what is the title for this episode, because I know what we're going to talk about are various practices that we tap into to assure ourselves that everything's going to be okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Emma and I have lots of those, lots of different ones of those, and especially over the last couple of years, which have been tumultuous for both of us. Yeah, Emma? Yeah. Very tumultuous for
1: both of us. And then, of course, you add the layer of pandemic on top of that. Mm -hmm. And it's just been a couple of years where really it would be easy to sort of slide down into a ditch (laughs) <laughs> slide into the slough of despair.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, or go on such autopilot, just just one foot in front of the other on total autopilot. You know, this isn't happening. This isn't happening. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, gosh, pandemic, very like obvious climate change. Let's not forget that last year at this time Donald Trump was president of the United States. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. we really, I think collectively and then also personally, we've lived through a lot this last couple of years. And there are various practices that we use to, I'm going to tentatively say, conjure faith. Whew. Faith meaning like a trusting that everything is going to be okay, or that even the things that aren't okay are in some way meaningful. They're in some way contributing to our evolution. Mm. What do you think of that, Emma?
1: love that. I am so honored that you asked me to be on the Conjuring episode about faith, because um, faith is something that I have had such a relationship within my life for good and for bad. Like, I feel like I'm constantly doing a tango with faith, a dance with faith. And definitely that is one of my main practices. Like I might, I might even call it a spiritual practices, um, exercising the muscle of my faith, my faith in myself, my faith in, um, the journey of my life, Mm -hmm. my faith in my loved ones, my faith, um, my faith in this world, like that is definitely a muscle that I'm
0: constantly working on. Mm -hmm. At the beginning of this year, this tumultuous year of 2021, uh one way that you and i were connecting on the faith level was through sharing the tarot cards that we were drawing every day so there is kind of a a renaissance there is a rebirthing of interest around things like tarot and astrology and crystals and oracle cards and all of that kind of, um, you know, some people would call it alternative. Some people would call it new age, you know, but I think what I really see is times are tough and we are wanting to conjure faith in something bigger, something mysterious, mystical. It's like when the obvious right in front of us were like, well, this is a lot of shit. <laughs> it's like <laughs> where else can I look to find the good? And so so we were sharing tarot cards like on the daily. Like, here's what I pulled today. What do you think? Here's what I think. What do you you use tarot in your coaching practice? Yeah?
1: I do. Yeah. Sometimes I use it in a really overt way where I'll ask a client who I already know is open to it, like sort of toward the end of a session, like after we've already done a fair amount of sort of what I might think of as conventional coaching, I'll ask them, hey, do you want to do a draw? Mm-hmm. Do you want to draw a card and talk about it? Um, and then sometimes I have clients, I've had clients who I say, Hey, do you want to do a draw? Or I've talked to them about the fact that I use the cards and they'll just say no. And that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just want to make it clear that tarot draw and use and using the deck. That's not something that is like that all of my clients want to do or like have to do if you work with me. But then sometimes this thing will happen. This is amazing where you will have a client use a metaphor That exactly matches a tarot card situation, Mm. um, without even knowing anything about the cards or without me even bringing it up or asking about it. Like recently I had a client who was telling me about this mental picture that they had of themselves, um, in which they were suspended by an ankle (laughs) from a tree branch. Um, (laughs) and that even though they were suspended by their ankle from a tree branch, they had this sense of inner awareness that everything was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a client who, as far as I know, knows nothing about tarot. And Natalie is laughing right now because the image that I just described is the image of the hanged man in tarot. So it was just amazing. So she starts, she starts saying this to me, and I was like... I need to text you a picture of this card right away.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What I find with tarot is that so, everybody, basically what happens is you draw a card, and the card has an image on it. Um, there are lots of different decks. The one that that Emma was describing is the Rider-Waite-Smith deck, which is kind of the most famous one. But there's going to be an image, and then there are extra layers of significance. So, there's a title, Some of the cards have like a a suit, like wands or cups or pentacles. And then there is a number. So there are these various kind of layers of significance in the card. And what I find is so amazing what happens is that here we are. I'm facing the shitty situation I have in my life. And I pull a card and the card says, here are three symbols an image a title maybe a number maybe a suit maybe a you know a line when you really get into tarot reading there's all kinds of ways that you get these little signifiers and then it's like it says to the heart mind make meaning here are your clues work on this puzzle don't despair don't slide down into the ditch Work on this puzzle, what could this mean? Mm-hmm. How are you seeing the okayness in the image right of the of the hanging person? like what does the fire symbolize? What does the number bring up for you? And it shifts us into interpretive mode, creative mode mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. And for me, that really is the magic when I shift out of like passive recipient of whatever cards life is dealing me Mm -hmm. to active interpreter, co-creator. It's where I get to remember my capacity to respond. Mm -hmm. So when you pull a card at the end of a coaching session, Emma, like, is that what it looks like?
1: Well, one of the things that's amazing about working with a tarot deck is that really most of the time, I would say 99% of the time I pull a card and there's a little bit of thinking about it. And then it reveals itself like a flower, the significance of how that might apply to the situation that um, my client is in. So like every once in a while it'll happen that I'll draw a card and I'll be like, I don't really necessarily know how I might apply this meaning or what this might, how this might apply to the situation in which I find myself or in which my client finds myself, finds themselves. And when that happens, when it doesn't really apply, you just, I don't know, maybe you make a note, you think about it in a week or in a month about how that card might, might apply. But a lot of the time, it gives you this opportunity to access other aspects of your experience. Because I think when you're really sort of sliding down into the ditch and feeling like shit about something... I find that there tends to be this sort of flattening of experience where you Mm. sort of can only feel one sort of emotion and you feel overwhelmed by the circumstance, whatever it is that's happening. And then the card becomes a gateway for you to access other aspects of whatever it is that's happening, either other facets of the circumstance or... Other facets of your own personal experience, whatever other emotions you're bringing to bear on the situation. And just by filling in the picture, bringing out different lights and shadows in the overall picture of what's happening, it expands the lens of your consciousness mm. so that you're able to perceive more of the nuances of the situation. I just personally, and I think my clients find that you feel less trapped. You feel less stuck in a terrible sort
0: of one note story Mm -hmm. about whatever it is that's happening. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. I think I resonate so much with that description of the flattening of experience, right? It's like under the pressure of whatever is happening, suddenly it's difficult to access gratitude. Mm -hmm. It's difficult to access growth mindset, right? It's difficult to access these various pieces. And I was thinking also, as you were talking, you know, in our culture, we train our logical, linear, Mm -hmm. deductive brain so well. Mm -hmm. We're constantly doing that, right? We're constantly like, you know, how do you make this clearer, more succinct? How do you whittle it down? Mm -hmm. And there is with something like tarot or, you know, a tool that I really love is astrology. Mm. There's this way that the metaphors demand an expansion or expanded thinking, right? Because it's sort of like, well, but there's not five swords in your back right now. But like, Mm -hmm. what is going on here? And how is this not the end? And it just evokes all of these questions get evoked, and all of these sort of little relationships demand a little bit of interpretation. And that, in and of itself, takes us out of that whittled down deductive way, that flattening, compressing, sharpening way Mm -hmm. of seeing. A situation, ourselves, the world, and really does, I think, go, oh, did you forget what else is here?
1: Yeah, I love that image. And I think there's such a difference, right, between honing and flattening. There's such a difference between honing something, paring something down to its essentials, which is also a practice that we use in coaching and mm. as business people and in all kinds of contexts. Um, that can be really effective, right? Honing something down or taking away what is extraneous so that you can perceive the essence of something, right? That is sometimes a technique that we use in coaching. There's such a difference between that and this flattening that we're talking about. If you were honing something to its essence, that would be something that would be enriching, whereas this flattening, it just feels like deadening. Like instead of um seeing yourself as a nuanced person with a number of different facets on a complex journey of your life with um, a number of different tools and resources and helpers and friends and guides on your journey, traveling through a bunch of different landscapes, having a bunch of different experiences. Instead, it's just like, Oh, I'm, I'm me down in the slough of despair. Again, here I am in this shitty ditch with no resources (laughs) and no guides Mm -hmm. and no helpers and no, and really, and no
0: faith Mm -hmm. and no faith. Right. Yeah. So tarot and astrology, I think both do this lovely thing where they offer metaphor, Mm -hmm. right? They offer symbols for us to interpret and to engage. I think they also, for me, gesture toward Just an expansive and more awe-filled way of even thinking about the world, even thinking about being, even thinking about ourselves, right? So, for example, um, you know, I'm thinking back to the last retreat that I led in, in New Mexico in Taos. I lead yearly, asterisk, not in these two pandemic years. but um, And, you know, there were two things that I incorporated into that retreat on purpose to kind of evoke this bigger, broader understanding and awe about, like, who are we? Where are we? Right. So, oh my God, is that what was going on (laughs) with
1: those activities?
0: Yeah. Now I
1: understand. Yeah. But it was all
0: part of this master plan. Because I know exactly what you're going to say. Yeah. So, you know, travel, I think, always does this for me. Does it do it for you, too, Emma, where, like, when I travel and I go somewhere else, I'm like, oh, I forgot how big the world is.
1: Oh, 100%. Travel is one of my favorite ways to renew myself. Yeah. Like, I think that's part of what's been so painful for a lot of people about the pandemic mm. is that I think for a lot of us, travel is this thing you do, I don't know, once, twice, three times a year, four times a year, if you're lucky, yeah. that... Um, does that for you that expands your horizons
0: yeah yeah and expands that it, is it sort of it is that kind of simultaneous I, I loved what you were saying about honing it's like let's get down to the essence of you you know what you actually don't need that much to be okay mm-hmm. and when i'm out of my home and i just have my bag i'm like oh i don't really need that much to be okay i can sleep somewhere else i can eat somewhere else. And we're very privileged, of course, to be able to have the resources to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. But like, I can be away from much of what I know. And you're still okay. Yeah. I'm still me.
1: It's like this turtle, like leaving its shell or something like that, or a snail, I don't know, like a sea creature. It leaves its shell, but it's still itself. Yeah. It's still itself.
0: Oh my gosh. You know that makes me. This is going to be a tangent, but it's worthwhile because it's so interesting.
1: Well, our conversations are mostly tangents. Anyway. <laughs> they really are, yeah.
0: So um, I'm sure this is going to be important for later. I promise this is going to be important. I don't know why, but do you know about hermit crabs? What they do when they are ready for a new shell? Tell me about it. Oh, this Maryland
1: sorceress of Maryland.
0: Well. I think that Maryland crabs are a different kind of crab, but hermit crabs, you know, are the ones that live inside a seashell. So eventually they grow, their body grows too large for the shell that they're in. Mm -hmm. And they'll find like an empty shell and they'll be like, ooh, empty shell. But of course, the empty shell is not necessarily going to be exactly the right fit. So they will just hang out by the empty shell. And Other hermit crabs will be like, oh, hey, there might be an exchange happening. And all these hermit crabs will gather together. There's one empty shell and everybody gathers together and they, they get into this is so wild. I'm going to have to put a video about this into the show notes. They line themselves up according to size. That is bananas. It's bananas. They all get in a line. It's like it's like who's the biggest and then who's the littlest. And then when someone finally comes along, who's the good size for the empty shell, they just all switch Oh, my God. It's amazing. And it's what you're talking about, right? It's like, OK, I need shelter, but I actually I can be in a different shelter. Yeah. I can be in a different job. I can be in a different house. I can mm-hmm. be in a different relationship. Mm-hmm. I can get out of this one that's too small for me mm-hmm. and I can get into a new one. And I love that for hermit crabs this happens in community. It's
1: like, well, yeah, when you were describing it, the thing that came up for me was the idea of what happens on retreat, which is the idea, like what happened on yours, which is um, a feature of many different ones that I've been on, but with both with you and in other places where it's like you all come together and there is this sense that everybody sheds their shells and is there in the glory of their nudity of their being vulnerable. And there's like this sense of trading when you're on retreat, where people are trading perspectives and traumas and yeah. strategies and stories. Mm-hmm. Everybody's trading stories and mm-hmm. you try on other people's stuff and see how that fits for you. Yeah. And oh, what a great,
0: what a great story. Isn't that so fun? Love it. So uh, yeah, but I do think that is what happens, right? Or, you know, we might say, so travel is a way that we can get faith. And I think community... With inspiring people is a way to get faith where someone is like, oh, yeah, I mean, this actually happened at one of my New Mexico retreats, like one divorced woman living in the new shell of no longer married mm-hmm inspired a bunch of people to get out of their married shell and into the no longer married shell. It was amazing to see. Right. Um So anyway, let's go back to this one retreat, because what happens? Yes. Travel can help us to find faith and to find ourselves. Faith for me, I think, is like This world is so big and I don't know it. I don't know everything. I'm not going to flatten my experience into this problem. I'm going to expand it. I'm going to understand this is bigger than me. There are lessons here. There are blessings here. Like, you know, faith sort of for me says that. And then it also kind of all the way kind of honing into the self Mm -hmm. and I'm okay. Like. I can find a new shell. I can find a new shelter. I can be, I can be in the world in a different way. I'm going to make it basically. I love that. Can
1: you tell the group or can you tell the podcast because, um, we kind of dropped this and I want you to bring it back because it was so amazing what you did. And now that I know the backstory
0: of what you were going for, I am so impressed Okay. So on this retreat to New Mexico, what we did um, early in the retreat, I hired a friend who is a geologist to take us for a hike. So, a beautiful hike in New Mexico. Lots of people like to go hiking, but to take us for a hike and to tell us about the rocks, to tell us about how the canyon was formed, to tell us about like, Some of the mysteries, there are some geological mysteries in New Mexico where he's like, you know, we honestly have no idea why this mineral is here. This mineral doesn't show up anywhere near here. It's here and we don't know why. And so I hoped for, you know, when we consider ourselves in geological time. Yeah. Oof. (laughs) <laughs> right?
1: you're, a, right? you're a teeny like, tiny little
0: speck, motherfucker. <laughs> in, case, in like, like, oh, you don't have time for that. Yeah, you're you right. Don't. You don't have time for you anything. You, you, yes, you're... that's
1: right. And also, like, there's all of that. Um, when you look at the rocks, like, part of what you're seeing is all of that death, right? Oh yeah. The fossils, the creatures that lived their tiny little lives and then their um, corporeal shell was locked in the in the rock right yeah
0: yeah well i mean and you just can't help but kind of say wow this canyon was formed by water flowing mm. by wa- like water pouring mm-hmm. it's like what yeah a whole canyon and then it's just like so do you think you could just like Stick with your writing your weekly newsletter for another couple months? (laughs) Like, like, could you just like stick with this weightlifting routine another couple months before you're like hungry for results today? Right? It's like, yeah, there's that expansiveness. So that was at the beginning of the retreat. And then at the end of the retreat, I had an astronomer come with a super powerful telescope. Oh my God. and we took advantage of the beautiful, huge sky, um, dark sky in New Mexico, to look at, I mean, Emma, for me, actually, like by the end of the retreat, I'm pretty, um, though I do take good care of myself throughout, of course, at the end of the retreat, I'm pretty like tired, right? Because I've of been holding space and really showing up for people. And I just remember, I remember being very tired for the astronomy and slash, but. The moment where, you know, he trains the telescope onto this one spot in the sky and then you climb the ladder because this telescope is like what, like 10, 12 feet tall. You had to climb Mm -hmm. a ladder to look into the telescope or look through the telescope. He's like, "Okay, do you see that? He's like, that's stars being born. That's called a star nursery. Do you remember the star (gasps) nursery? Oh, my God. I had forgotten that is a star nursery. Stars are, a bunch of stars are being born right there. And it was like, yeah,
1: even though, so I also, I know way less about astrology than you do. That hasn't been a discipline that I focused on as much, but I have learned so much just from being friends with you and I'm interested in astrology. And, um, Even though there's this thing where the thing is astrology is not astronomy, right? Astronomy is like a scientific discipline where you're looking at the actual stars and astrology obs is, or the way that I tend to think about it, and you can say how your view of it is different is a metaphorical language that is based on what historical people perceived about the sky and the planet Mm -hmm. and the sun. Um, but it's not an actual scientific discipline, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's this thing where astrology doesn't map onto astronomy, right? I don't, I don't need mm-hmm. to go down that wormhole. But even though that is so, when I started learning more about astrology from you, you really gave me the key. You really gave me permission to use tarot mm-hmm. and astrology by helping me understand that it is metaphorical, which I freaking love. Mm -hmm. But when I started to learn about that stuff, I created this entirely new relationship with the sky, and with the stars that I really had not had before. Mm. And I like I have so much that I could say about that. Um, Just about how now with all the unnatural light that we have around us, it's so much harder for us to see the stars and um, how that I feel has an impact on our human sense of belonging and meaning and place. But I just wanted to share one other little factoid that I know from my previous career as a movement teacher, which is that when you look at something a really far distance away versus when you look at something that's Mm -hmm. close by, the muscles of your eyes react differently. Like the muscles of your eyes have to shift to accommodate seeing something close up versus seeing something far away. And the thing that is so fascinating is that when you look at something far away, the muscles of your eyes relax. Mm. So a really classic um, thing that movement teachers will um, advise their students to do is to make a practice of not just looking at the computer and the close distance, right? To look at things that are far away. So like when you're working at your desk or what have you, like you should regularly over the course of your day, you should be looking up, looking at the distant trees and look. And of course, if you look at the stars, if you can see the stars, they are so far away that the muscles of your eyes have to profoundly relax. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just think that is such a great metaphor for the way that Mm. looking at stars, how that forces you, not just in sort of a sense of, um, an inner spiritual sense to take in a bigger picture. Like it's not just something that's happening, Mm -hmm. um, in your emotional self or in your spiritual self. Not that those are not important selves. It's literally something physically happening in your body that when you allow yourself to take in a bigger picture, Mm. when you allow yourself to take the long view, to be like, look at those stars. And of course we know that they are so freaking old by the time the light of those stars moves into your eyes and touches your brain that light has been traveling for so freaking long right that there is a there are literal physical things that are happening in your body also shifts that help you move into this space of faith
0: yeah you know that is such a beautiful like that's a it's sort of this great like multi-layered there's there's actual physical mm. things that are happening like you're telling us about right like your the muscles in your eyes very close to your brain right are relaxing of course that's going to affect your whole face. It's going to affect mm. the it's going to affect the muscles in around your jaw and in your skull as the eye muscles relax everything will kind of accommodate, right? And there's an openness I took the girls. I saw this note that there was going to be an uh, a meteor shower, and I was like, "Guys, who wants to wake up? <laughs> who?" Wa-? And it was happening near a new moon. And I said, "Who wants to wake up at four in the morning and go see if we can see some meteors?" And my kids are amazing, so they're like, "Yeah, we totally want to do that." So we so we trudged out to like the you know the closest field that is fairly you know dark um, nearby. And laid, you know, put out a blanket and lay down to look. And here's the thing about meteors, right? If you want to catch one with your eyes, you have to let them be as open as possible, right? You cannot focus. You have to see how much of this, how expansive can I get? How completely unattached to any point in the sky can I get? And that is when you are going to see the meteor because you're not grasping for it. Rather, you have just decided the more open I am, the more likely it is that I'm going to see it when it comes through. And I'm like, holy fuck. How about if we right? like like how many places like, you know, dating trying to figure out your diet, trying to figure out your next move career-wise, trying to find a house, trying to find a parking spot, could you take that approach and be like, you know what? I'm not going to be graspy. I'm just going to get as open as I possibly can, and then I know I'm going to get the right thing.
1: Well, you know you and I love that because you and I are always thinking about and talking about how... Something that seems like it's indirect and passive is actually a faster or a more efficient or a more joyful route to your heart's desire. Yes. Like one of our biggest, one of the things we talk about all all the time is how rest is one of those things. How it seems like rest is a needless distraction when in fact,
0: Mm -hmm. rest
1: is rest is the way (laughs) rest is the way with a capital T and a capital W. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I were to say to you, open your eyes more, if I were to say that to somebody, or if somebody were to say that to me, what I would sort of instinctively do is, use my muscles and my strength to open my eyes really wide and look really hard. Right. When really, when really what opening your eyes means in that context is it's about doing less.
0: Yes.
1: It's about pulling back. Yeah. It's about receiving and softening in order to, in order to receive more. Like you literally will receive more yeah. if you let go of some of that reaching, grasping, um, flattening, right? To go back to that word we used at the beginning, yes. you will literally receive more, live a fuller, richer life if you can fucking for just a goddamn second, <laughs> yes. allow yourself to let go
0: Yeah, and feel. Yeah. And, and, you know, I always want to be so compassionate and kind with us because that is not the cultural narrative. 100%. It's
1: not, it's not our, it's not your fault you think that way or that we think that way.
0: Right. It's like, no, it's not right. It's like buckle down, mm-hmm. nose to the grindstone, work, grind, right. We have all of these like, get harder. Hold tighter, mm-hmm. control, control more. Right? Like that's, well, here comes another metaphor. And by the way, right? I mean, like we're talking about things like tarot and astrology. Thinking about things geologically, thinking about things astronomically, like all of these are ways that I certainly conjure faith. But but really so much of it just comes down to simple metaphor. One other thing that just a few of us elected to do on this trip to New Mexico was take a hot air balloon ride. Like we, if you want to ascend in a balloon, Mm -hmm. one of the things you have to do is like do it at the right time. You can't do it in New Mexico in the middle of the day because the air is too warm on the ground and too cool in the atmosphere for you to be able, for the balloon to be able to go up. You have to go when the air on the ground is cool. Mm. Right? You can't force it. And that's something I see with my clients all the time is that, you know, these are committed, dedicated people. These are people who do not mind working hard. and that forcing it right the like that kind of like I have to I have to push I have to sit here until the words come I have to I have to like grind on my idea until it's refined it's like really honestly I'll ask them like what do you want to do and they'll say honestly I just want to sleep all day Mm -hmm. and it's like okay then what happens when you sleep all day When you say, you know, the conditions aren't right right now for me to get this done. Let me be receptive. Let me trust my body. Sometimes people, (laughs) I had a client the other day, she was like, honestly, I just want to make an amazing dinner. It's like, Mm. I want to spend, I want to, I want to clear my calendar and I want to spend the rest of the day gathering the ingredients I need to make an amazing (laughs) dinner. And I was like, that sounds like the best possible way to begin to address the situation you find yourself in by taking a break and doing something that feels easy, like allowing, receiving, like you were saying.
1: Love that. And the gifts of that are multiple, right? But just two, two, two gifts that spring to mind right now at the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Number one, if you give yourself space and freedom to go away, to, to step away from the problem. Or step away from the task or the project mm-hmm. and do something that 's pleasurable. Mm-hmm. You will probably come back to the task with greater focus and clarity and new um, insight into the situation and great thinkers and geniuses throughout history have talked about this like there's I read this article once about um, all these various people mm-hmm. writers, scientists, like Einstein was one of the people they talked about who really believed and made a practice of taking a walk when things got really intense and really, really tough. Right. Mm -hmm. But the other thing, and this I think is so important is when you take that step back and you go shopping for the ingredients for an amazing meal and make a dinner, when you take that weekend off and you go away to the beach when you um, take a personal day and you sleep all day, right? Because sometimes that's what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. Or you take two weeks off and you spend two weeks sleeping in every single day and ordering from DoorDash or like whatever it is for you. This is so important. Mm -hmm. That makes your life richer. That gives your life, Mm -hmm. I'm going to use a weird word here, glamour. And beauty and this sort of sensuous Mm. gorgeousness, like, you know, that meme that sort of you started to see around a couple of years ago, you are not just on this planet to work and lose Mm. weight to like, have a job and diet. Like, when you take that enormous, big, billion year view of your life, here you are this organism Mm -hmm. on planet earth for this brief span of time. Like, do you really want the story of the journey of your life to be, Oh yeah, she was a hard worker. Mm. She really brought a lot of revenue into the firm.
0: Mm-hmm. She 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 kept her she kept her hip to waist ratio at an acceptable
1: level. <laughs> oh, totally! Like, oh, she died at the same weight that she was when she got married. Right? That's the thing they say about actually about the founder of Weight Watchers. She died at her goal weight, and that's like what a fucking like who gives a good a flying fuck about that?
0: I know, I know, yeah. And that does right. That does expand. That that is again that kind of like expansive. Experience, you know. I'm thinking about we uh, many many listeners of the podcast know Natalie has a whole jungle of house plants, right? <laughs> but I cannot tell you to see a baby leaf unfurling. It's in my window, mm-hmm. in my dining room. Is a fucking miracle. It's like, oh my gosh! And you know, or or the plant that I was sure it was dead, but I just kept loving it. I just kept giving it a little water. I just kept keeping it on the sunny windowsill. Mm -hmm. And there's the green shoot coming. It was never dead. It was alive all along, right? I get tremendous faith in regenerativity, faith in, you know what? Sometimes what a plant really needs is just the right window, Mm. is just some time, Mm. is actually not so much water. Like, not, you know just a, I maybe not so much care, just like leave it alone, let it be i I get so many rich mes- messages from that, and that really does build for me a deeper connection to that mm-hmm. what did you call it in one of our Vox exchanges? It's like this deep, deep pool mm-hmm. of life force. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know what I said in one of those boxes. Cause I tend to just sort of spout off of those, and I have no idea what I've said, but, um, to come back to a phrase that you and I use a lot in our boxes, you feel it in your shasha. Yeah. <laughs> you feel it way. You feel those things way, 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 way deep in like the deepest part of yourself. Yeah. I hope it's clear too. Like When Natalie and I are talking about this, it's not that we're saying, Oh, you need to go out and buy a bunch of plants. Right. Although kind of you you do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's (laughs) for I'm literally I just showed Natalie. We are like recording this, I'm on my front porch. I just showed her all the plants. (laughs) (laughs) on my front porch. Yeah.
0: um, Um, but but it's not about, it's
1: like, it's like, you totally know what I'm going to say, which is that it's not about whatever we're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, although this hopefully will give you some ideas about like stargazing and making connections with the earth and connecting with, um, nature and having nature in your house in the form of plants and using these Mm -hmm. disciplines like tarot and astrology. It's really about your journey to figure out what those things are for yourself. And your ability to listen deeply enough to the whispers of your deepest longings so that you can actually freaking hear it when, as Natalie did, like in the pandemic, like there's this little voice, I assume, inside you that said like, you need 50,000 plants in your home. Mm -hmm. And you may have, and you maybe were like, uh, what, what's that? Do I really need that? And then you got two and then that turned into four and then that turned into 40.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's funny actually, cause I, I want to take a moment to honor this and trace it. Cause I know I'm not alone that we, there, there has been a, a plant explosion over the pandemic, but like, I do think there's kind of this piece of like, there's definitely a bringing the outside in like, okay okay, it's true. We can't be outside in the same way. How can you bring the outside in? And we've done it with technology, right? We've done it with, with, with Zoom for, for better and for worse. Like there are other ways that we've brought the outside in, but like, I want to retrace like what it was. Really what it was, I think, is that I had this, I moved into a new house. And I had this beautiful bay window and the bay window sort of like wanted plants. And I put the plants into the bay window and the plants were thriving. And I think when we were moving, one of my plants, I have this this golden pothos and and those are like viney plants. A couple of its longer vines broke in the move. And I had these vines and I thought, you know what? I want to see if I can do something with these. And so Google told me, Oh, yeah, you can propagate those. And I said, Okay, all right, okay, you got to trim it here. And then you stick it in water. And so I did that. And then roots grew from this vine that had broken off. Now this, now this vine has turned into like eight propagations. And I'm like, okay, so I guess I could plant these. And then I planted them. And the delight that I get from propagation, where Mm -hmm. it's like, so here's something that grew too big too long. Let me trim it and let me do something new with it. Like this kind of like regenerativity. Mm -hmm. Emma, it ended up being so important as a physical practice Mm -hmm. while I was divorcing. Mm To say, oh, but there's regenerativity. It's right here in front of me. It's right here under my fingernails, right? Mm-hmm. As I was completely pivoting in my career, oh, no, no, there's regenerativity, right? Mm-hmm. Like like just because something doesn't work in this way, it doesn't mean it doesn't work, right? There's a new way that we can connect to it. And mm-hmm. so I really think for me, it was this, this kind of physical mm-hmm. reminder of that. And, you know, for many people, I know it's music Mm -hmm. for me and maybe for you. Once upon a time, it was yoga practice. I had Mm -hmm. such an expansive experience when I was first learning yoga. Like like you said, accessing more parts of myself and accessing more presence like, wow, I'm I'm here. Mm -hmm. I'm deeply here, which is how I felt in the hot air balloon. Mm -hmm. I'm deeply here floating above the desert, right? How I feel in Mm -hmm. looking at the telescope. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. I am deeply here. That's a star nursery. Mm. Right? Yeah. And then sometimes on an eclipse, I'm deeply here.
1: Deeply alive. Deeply alive.
0: Oh, right. I forgot for a moment, I'm on a planet orbiting the sun. It's miraculous. It is one of my favorite words you used
1: it before. It's wondrous.
0: It's wondrous. It's wondrous. And and I think for me, right, when we're conjuring faith, it's like, hold on, let me remember that. Let, mm-hmm. me, let me connect mm-hmm. to that. I actually am a miracle. Yeah. So my listening friend, like, what is it for you? What is it for you that helps you to access the bigger picture? And what do we want to say to our friends who find themselves in the flat place right now? Emma, what do you think?
1: Well, here is something that um, this is a quote, and I've long since lost track of who said it or where I read it. But this is something that comes back to me in my darkest times when I am truly down in the ditch of despair. And that is that the seed of every great faith is doubt.
0: Mm. It's funny you say that because you and I were just saying, oh, we've kind of drifted away from our daily tarot practices. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like, you know, the beginning of the year was so dark mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we got busy. and I, I certainly got busy. You've gotten busy. We're mm-hmm. kind of business building and taking care of things and our families and, and that sort of thing. And it's like, I haven't had to, you know, lean on it as much. So what a beautiful thing to to sort of remember, like, oh, it's actually like the place faith can show up the strongest is actually in that that moment.
1: I think one of the hardest, like as an overthinker myself, one of the challenges that I have had to overcome is thinking that because something is a cliche, that it lacks value mm. or that it isn't true. So, um That whole idea that it's like it's always darkest before the dawn. Mm. Like so many of those cliches that I've actually come to view many of those cliches as like they're treasures that are passed down through the generations of a culture Mm. that you can access, that you can use. Like every cloud has a silver lining when you get lemons, make lemonade, right? They are cliches. They endure because there is, there is truth in them. Mm. Right. And so certainly there, it's such a banal truth, but I have definitely found in, um, especially as I move more fully and powerfully into sort of a, a really fully adult life that the times when you're in the ditch are so awful. They are terrible. And yet. If you are able to get up out of the ditch, those times when you're really full of doubt, when you're doubting yourself, when things look so bleak, when you're in so much pain, that is the seed for revelation, Mm. for new insight. That is the, that is the fertile ground that a new plant grows from.
0: Yeah, it's the broken vine. That's right. It's the one that's cut that you can propagate. You know, it does strike me that, and I know that, you know, part of our connection is helping one another. Totally. Up out of that ditch sometimes. Not by pulling each other out, right? Mm -hmm. But just by saying, like, well, let's pull a card for that. Just by saying like, well, let's look at that differently. I mean, that certainly is what I have received from coaching and why I am a coach is that sometimes when everything is flattened or when we've forgotten, we've forgotten how big we are. We've forgotten how miraculous this life is. Sometimes just getting someone to talk with about it, Mm -hmm. someone to ask you some questions, someone to spark your creativity or to help you to embrace all the various aspects of yourself to to look for the silver lining to look for the the opportunity right that um, that is the most helpful thing, and that's actually if you don't mind Emma, i'll share um, something my dad said to me um, in one of the last conversations before he passed away, and you've you've heard this before, but I don't know that our listeners have, so um, yeah, I was visiting my dad. This was like the last full visit that we had before he passed away, and my dad. Everyone was an orthopedic surgeon, so he was a surgeon. Um, he did have a little bit of woo. He had a he had a bit of woo in him. He loved to go wander around in the desert. Like, I would be like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I just like to go walking out there." <laughs> so, so he had some woo in him. But I told him, I was like, I was like, "Hey, dad." I enrolled in an astrology course. And he was like, what? And I said, you know, I enrolled in an astrology course. I just, I wanted to learn more about like how to read natal charts and how to, how to interpret like what's going on in the sky. And he like looked at me and took a sip of his Chardonnay and, <laughs> you know, and he's like, you are such a weird kid. and you know of course like I'm I am at this point a 42 year old kid Um, he's like he's like you're such a weird kid and then he said well he said you know and I was preparing myself because what am I going to get from dad am I going to get am I going to get a lecture about how that's all a bunch of malarkey like what am I going to get and he said you know anything that helps you to make sense of this life is worthwhile and that like yeah. Was such a moment of connection for me with him. It brings tears to my eyes. like, what is it that helps you make sense of this,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Not beat it, conquer it. What helps you make sense of it? That for me is, that's faith, is the ability to say, okay, I can make sense of this. I can make, I can accept this. I can be here. I can understand this more fully. What a gift he gave you with that. I know. It was a good one. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) 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 All right, everyone. So um, obviously you want to get to know my friend Emma Magenta. Um, Emma, do you want to tell us about where where to find you on the interwebs? Hangwithemma.com.
1: Online, that's where I blog, and I'm also at Instagram at Emma Magenta, and I'm also on Facebook, and I also have a Facebook group um, that I love, where I ask these sort of types of um, deep thought-evoking, contemplation-evoking questions, like the types that me and Natalie have explored during this conversation called All the Feels. So you can find me in any of those places.
0: Yes, definitely do that, my friends. Okay, so thank you for listening. Please go engage in whatever creative, evocative, metaphoric, physical practices help you to expand your sense of the miracle of you, of this life, of all of it. Okay, thanks for listening, everyone. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mind Witchery. To catch all the magic I'm offering, please subscribe to the show. Or if you want a little bit of weekly witchiness in your inbox, sign up for my Sunday letter at mindwitchery.com. If today's episode made you think of a friend or loved one, your sister, your neighbor, please tell them about it. We need more magic makers in this troubled world. Like all good things, this podcast is co-created by Stellar People. Our music is by fabulous DJ, artist, and producer, Shammy D. Our gorgeous art is by the Sorcerers at New Moon Creative. Mind Witchery is produced in conjunction with Particulate Media, K.O. Myers, executive producer. And I am Natalie Miller. Until next time.